sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. Welcome to our number two. Start off a new week here live on a Monday on the morning after on Sports Grid. Sirius XM, Channel 159, all across the Sports Grid Network. I am Ben Stevens. It was a postseason weekend across multiple sports that we saw play out. The FedEx Cup finale and the WNBA playoffs into the semifinal series that began yesterday. We start in the PGA Tour, the final weekend of the year, the playoff finale in the FedEx Cup, the Tour Championship at Eastlake in Atlanta, Georgia, where we knew that breaking down this handicap before the week got underway, it was starting strokes. You started with a position based on your current standings in those FedEx Cup playoff looks. So Scotty Scheffler entered the week in that top spot. He started 10 under par. He was two strokes in front of Patrick Cantlay, the reigning FedEx Cup champion, who started at eight under. You make your way down the board, down the board, down the board. There was Roy McIlroy in that seventh spot, six strokes back of Scotty Scheffler at the beginning of the tournament. And Roy McIlroy was also six shots back of Scotty Scheffler at the beginning of yesterday's final round. But Roy McIlroy, who was Mr. PGA Tour all year long, comes from behind a historic comeback in the FedEx Cup finale at the Tour Championship to win the event and the FedEx Cup this year to cap off a sensational 2022 campaign. Roy McIlroy, the first ever three-time winner of the FedEx Cup. He was six back, again, entering the final round and before the tournament got underway because of those starting strokes. He shot 17 under over the four days at Eastlake, the best stroke to par in all of the tournament. And he comes back to win the FedEx Cup, the third in his history, in a sweet $18 million payout yesterday. This was a really big year for Rory McIlroy. He was that spokesperson for the PGA Tour in the ongoing feud between the PGA Tour and Live Golf. Rory put the PGA Tour on his back and to win this event the final event of the pga tour season what some have coined the super bowl of the pga tour rory mcelroy with an all-time performance yesterday you see the stats 10 top 10s in 16 starts in the top eight at all four major championships more than 25 million dollars earned he saved golf as kyle porter from CBS Sports puts it. And Roy McIlroy, as we know, one of the leading figures in that big players-only meeting alongside Tiger Woods in getting those historic updates and changes to the PGA Tour model to try to stem some of the leaving we have seen from the PGA Tour for live golfers. There will be some changes. There will be some absences from the PGA Tour. We now know that Cameron Smith is confirmed going to live golf, the Open champion, the second-ranked golfer in the world. But it was a big season for the PGA Tour overall to make sure that you still know it's the most competitive space to play golf in in this world. And Roy McIlroy had a big say in that. But it wasn't just the playoffs on the PGA Tour. It was also the second round of the WNBA postseason. The semifinals starting 
Yesterday, the four teams remaining, the two seed, the three seed, the Chicago Sky and the Connecticut Sun, the top seed, the Aces visiting the Seattle Storm. Excuse me, Las Vegas hosting Seattle, of course. We'll get to that recap in just a second. But we welcome in our Sports Grid radio audience here, the second hour of the morning after, live all across the grid, Sirius XM, Channel 1, 59 all of our terrestrial radio affiliates as well i am ben stevens the ace is a five and a half six and a half point home favorite against the seattle storm in that opening game of their semi-finals matchup but it's seattle that goes on the road wins outright as a five and a half point underdog by three points 76 73 it is that mojo the cosmic nature of this postseason for Sue Bird in her final WNBA campaign. But that's also the case for the veteran and Tina Charles. 13 points, 18 boards against the Aces yesterday. So they steal game number one on the road, winning outright as an underdog by three points. And because of that, they are now the betting favorite, the odds on favorite, the outright favorite to win this semifinal series against the Las Vegas Aces now, minus 122, that updated number in the series outright price. These are best of five series, and although Seattle is the outright favorite at minus 122, the Aces still a five-and-a-half-point favorite for game number two on Wednesday night out in the desert. Chicago and Connecticut, the other semifinal series, it was another upset in that opening game. The Sun go on the road as a three-and-a-half-point favorite. And the Sun do not set, despite a historic performance from Candace Parker. 19 points, 18 boards, and the Sun still win outright by five points as a three-and-a-half-point underdog, stealing game number one on the road as well, 68-63. So both underdogs win in the opening game of the semifinal series. John Quell Jones, big for the Sun yesterday, 12 points, nine rebounds and now it is connecticut as the outright favorite to win this series against the sky taking some of that home court advantage at minus 164 but you see those odds there that's the series correct score market before this series got underway the expectation was for chicago to go the distance in five games the shortest number at plus 300 a playoff Sunday into a Grand Slam Monday. The U.S. Open begins today. We break it down next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Back live right here on the morning after on this Monday on Sports Grid and Sirius XM Channel 159. Thank you for joining us here all across the Sports Grid Network. We are in Midtown Manhattan, not far away from us, just a short subway trip up to Queens, Arthur Ashe Stadium, the site of the 2022 U.S. Open in tennis that starts today, the fourth and final Grand Slam of the tennis calendar. A lot of focus, and rightfully so, will be on the final Grand Slam event, potentially the last ever, for Serena Williams as she says goodbye to tennis. That's on the women's side. We'll look at the value, if there is any, on Serena Williams and how this tournament will play out 
for the greatest of all time. And now, as we look at where things are from an odd perspective, we welcome Pam Maldonado from the Yahoo Sportsbook here to the morning after live on this Monday. Pam, a very busy weekend and last week for you. You were out in Las Vegas breaking down college football. Now the attention turns today to the 2022 U.S. Open. Thank you so much for joining us here on the morning after. Absolutely. I'm so excited for this major. It is one of the most volatile majors to predict because it's the late, it's the last one of the year. Here we are in August 29th and we're about to start a new month. Players, their bodies are breaking down. Their mindsets are worn out. They've been playing seven straight months of tennis. It's a traveling, it is a grueling, grueling grind. So you have a lot going on. There's a lot more factors that come into play for this type of surface. It, it is hard court. And there's a lot more variables because you have a lot of players that can contend on this type of surface. So it becomes a lot more volatile, which makes it that much more fun. And Pam, we got the final determination last week, what we all expected. Novak Djokovic, because he is unvaccinated, unable to enter the United States, he will not be in the field at the 2022 U.S. Open on the men's side, which means the reigning U.S. Open title winner, Daniil Medvedev, is the favorite right now on the FanDuel Sportsbook at plus 230. But less than $2 behind is Rafa. Rafael Nadal had to leave Wimbledon early in that semifinal that was scheduled against Nick Kyrgios because of the ab injury. Let's start with Nadal. 22 major championships all time. The most ever in terms of Grand Slam titles. Where do you think Rafa's health is entering the U.S. Open? Nadal wants this. He, right now, he looks good. If you're, I watch, I go on YouTube and I look at these players practicing. This is how much I love tennis. And he just looked so great. And I know that it is still a practice round, And but he looks healthy. He's bouncing. He has his attitude. And you have to think about players like Nadal where it's their mindset, their drive, their focus. It's that alone just outbeats anybody with competition. It doesn't matter what skill set they have. Um, that fire mixed in with the talent that he has, absolutely 100%. Nadal is a threat in this tournament because he has such a friendly, friendly draw. It's almost as if the tournament director said, okay, we don't have Djokovic. Let's give Nadal the best chance here. And honestly, as a fan, I'm here for it. I want Nadal to win. And as a better, I believe he can win so much so that I'm holding an eight to one ticket that I took a few months ago prior to the whole Wimbledon uh, withdrawal. But um, now his odds are down to four to one, of which I still see value on it simply because of the ease of the path to the final of which he has. Now, it is a it is a friendly draw. You have players like Aslan Karatsa, Fabio Fonini, though I think the hardest test for him won't be come until the quarterfinal against Cam Nori. But he holds a 4-0 record over him. But it is a, also a fair draw because he hasn't played hard court. He hasn't played the U.S. Open since 2019. But that was also the last time that he actually won this tournament. And Nadal here at the U.S. Open is 64-11, four titles. So he's up 2-0 to Medvedev. And he was up 2-0 to Medvedev. And he en ended up winning the fifth set in a 6-4 back in 2019 to win the title so I'm excited as a spectator and as a better and I definitely see value on Rafa coming through the second best title odds Rafael Nadal seeking his fifth U.S. Open championship but the favorite is Daniil Medvedev at plus 230 mm -hmm. Pam for it to be either Medvedev or Nadal to win even money against the field that's slightly favored at minus 130 
What do you think is the distinction between Medvedev, Nadal, and the rest of the field? Medvedev is the number one, is the second best returner in the world behind Novak Djokovic. This is a surface that he is most comfortable on. This is a surface that he's, I mean, he is, Medvedev excels here at the U.S. Open. He excels in this environment. He excels against the players that he has because his reach. So if big servers really come into less of a play here because Medvedev can stand further behind the baseline. So his returns are going to come back and they're going to come back deep. So when you're playing a backboard, that becomes a real struggle for a lot of the players that are on tour. Now, the thing that disrupts Medvedev is if you bring him forward into the net, if you make him run around the court and there's nobody in his draw that has that skill set. So Medvedev himself also has a pretty friendly draw. A lot of great competitors, absolutely, mm. but just no player that has the skill set that's going to give him the headache that we have seen him play, even against somebody like Tim Van Royen on uh, on earlier on grass season where he was just moving up and down, sideways, all around. He got flustered, and then he ended up losing in straight sets. Nobody is like that in his quarter of the draw. Three players with triple-digit prices. Daniel Medvedev, the favorite at plus 230. Rafael Nadal now live at plus 410. And Carlos Alcaraz at plus 500. So there might be that distinction between the big three entering the 2022 U.S. Open. But Pam, as you well know, all eyes will be on Serena Williams. Tied right now for the most Grand Slam titles in the history of tennis with 23. This is expected to be her final tournament ever in the world of tennis. Where do you think Serena Williams is right now in terms of her competitive level for what her game will actually be like on the court? Can she make a run up in Queens at the 2022 U.S. Open? I think she can definitely find an opportunity where she can make it to week two, Serena Williams, because you have seen her play a couple of matches um, lately in Wimbledon, Canadian Open, Cincinnati Masters. She has the skill set. The skill set is there. The power is still there. The only problem that she has is her fitness. And you can't blame her for that. She was off court for over for about a year um, coming back from injury. She hadn't played since last year's Wimbledon and came back to this Wimbledon. That's a full year of out of being of not being in match fitness. Now, she, can she get through the first couple of days? Absolutely. It's going to start to be round three, round four. Can she uh, hold her stamina through? The weather looks pretty great. It's going to be low 80s, so that's going to help a lot of the players because the humidity is going to be down, the temperatures are going to be cooler, and she's probably going to get a lot of night matches, which is going to help her even more. I'm more so interested, less interested in her singles play. I'm more interested in Serena Williams pairing up with her sister in Venus Williams as a doubles duo. That is going to be a lot of fun, and absolutely put those two together. I wouldn't be surprised if they come out with a win. One of the greatest athletes of all time. And Serena Williams will say goodbye to the world of tennis following this U.S. Open. She is a big, big favorite tonight. Greater than $3 in primetime for her opening round match on this Monday. Pam, we just showed the favored player on the women's side to win the title. That's Iga Swiatek at plus 390. That is more than half of what the next best price is. Is Iga Swiatek deserving of being such a short favorite relative to the field? 
Um, deserving probably so because she has the most power out of any player out there. Um, is it something that I would take myself? Absolutely not. There's a lot of players. This is hardcore. It's the end of the season for the same reasons of taking ATP as volatile. So is the WTA. There is a long shot player that I would consider and her name is Keenwen Shen. She was the only woman to take a set off of Swiatek at Roland Garros. She has a lot of power. She has a huge serve. She has a power backhand, forehand. She is a really good player and uh, hardcore is her best surface. So I would take a flyer on her to either win her quarter, if not come out with the win. Pam, it's a great point. Emma Raducanu last year, the 2021 champion, 80 to one pre-tournament. Pam Maldonado from the Yahoo Sportsbook joining us here on a Monday, breaking down the 2022 U.S. Open. Pam, thank you so much for your time. More TMA up next. Absolutely, good luck. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Back right here on the morning after on Sports. Live on this Monday to start off a new week. I am Ben Stevens. Very pleased to welcome in the home run prop king, the man who does many things for us here. FanDuel's Tom Vecchio back on the morning after for the prop perspective live on this Monday. Tom, how was the weekend? I know you're not the biggest college football fan, but I hope you maybe caught a little bit of Nebraska and Northwestern. Yeah, weekend was good. I actually did see a bit of that game, uh, just, you know, kind of uh, a bit of chaos in that game for uh, a bad team winning, a, a better team losing. It's kind of what I root for overall. So uh, it was a good time. It was a good time, unless you're wearing the scarlet and uh, cream of the Nebraska Cornhuskers. But we'll get to that another time. Tom, we're in the home stretch of the Major League Baseball season. The last couple of weeks you have been here, we've asked, how does that affect your handicapping on a daily basis still in Major League Baseball, because there's 35 games left of this regular season before our focus turns to October. Let's start with the National League East, because the Mets lost a game yesterday where Max Scherzer threw seven innings, had 11 strikeouts, only allowed four hits, and New York still lost one nothing. But they still hold a three-game lead over the Atlanta Braves in the National League East. Minus 550, the Mets are heavily favored to win that division. But both teams, Tom, jockeying for that top spot. The Braves and the Phillies, a part of the postseason conversation in wildcard scenarios as well. How does this stretch run to the postseason affect your handicap for Major League Baseball on a daily basis? So when it comes to this time of year, I'll generally be looking at good teams or, you know, playoff bound teams, whatever you want to call them, that are in a spot to bounce back. And I think the Phillies would be one of those teams tonight. The Braves would be one of those teams when they play tomorrow. The Blue Jays just got swept. The Yankees tonight, like all these good teams that are coming off of losses that are now in favorable spots. That's generally where I turn to them because, you know, they need to get their bats going like the Mets kind of wasting that performance from Scherzer has me interested yeah. in them on the run line the next time that they're out there. So I look for good teams to bounce back when it counts most, which is this time of year. Dodgers don't need to keep bouncing back, Tom, because they just win baseball games. 88 and 38, 50 games above 500. That is the best record by a large margin in all of Major League Baseball. And L.A., Tom, has won six of their last eight games. In those six wins, the Dodgers have combined for 59 total runs, scoring double digits four of those six 
victories. When a team is this good offensively, Tom, do you just dive into any area in the prop market you can with L.A.? Yeah, I, I don't think it really matters who's in their lineup. Uh, you know, yesterday, Will Smith, their catcher, sat, so they had Austin Barnes, who's a good hitter, but realistically, when he's batting ninth and that lineup is in front of him, he's going to be in spots to have RBIs. So when his RBI prop yesterday was sitting at plus 230, you know, I put a little bit on that because when you have Mookie Betts and Freddie Freeman and both Turners and Bellinger and even Joey Gallo hitting ahead of him, like those players are going to get on base and he's simply going to be in spot where there are runners on base. So at plus 230 for a single RBI for a backup catcher in a favorable matchup is a spot that I took. He cashed in on that. Uh, there's just too much value on some of these lower tier players or what I would consider lower tier players on good offenses that their odds just don't reflect the quality of the offensive lineup that they're in. So those are the spots that I, I generally jump on. Tom, did you have any home run props last night for Sunday Night Baseball, specifically with the St. Louis Cardinals in that eighth inning? Because they come from behind, down four runs, they or down by a run, they score four runs in the bottom of the eighth, all courtesy of the long ball. How are you evaluating St. Louis right now, a team that has won 13 of its last 15 games? Yeah, I didn't have any home run props last night or any action on that game, but St. Louis is looking really good. And, you know, specifically when they face a lot of a lot of left-handed pitching is when I like to look to them because they have a lot of power righty bats. Obviously, Goldschmidt leading the way, one of the MVP, MVP candidates in the National League. Uh, Arenado, O'Neal, like they just have a, a lot of really, really solid hitters. So when they face a lefty, that's a spot that I like to double down on them and probably go towards the run line outside of player props just because their scoring expectation is going to be so high. The Cardinals, a six-game lead now in the National League Central. The Brewers still in contention kind of for that division, maybe for a National League wildcard spot, but the Phillies and the Padres are making it difficult on Milwaukee. The Phillies, a big road favorite today, Tom, in the desert against the Arizona Diamondbacks. Philly, minus 188. Where's the home run prop king looking on this Monday? So that would be with Reese Hoskins for the Phillies to hit home run at plus 285. And like I said, this is a bit of a bounce back spot for them. They lost yesterday. They got shut out yesterday by the Pittsburgh Pirates. Uh, favorable matchup for them going up against Madison Bumgarner this year, which is righties. He's allowing a 460 X fit 1.50 home runs per nine to righties a 41% fly ball rate and a 39% hard contact rate. The ideal you know, candidate to give up home runs and Hoskins has plenty of power with his 295 ISO versus lefties. 49% fly ball rate and a 36% hard contact rate. So we have a great matchup for all of the righties in the Phillies lineup. Uh, Hoskins, Romuto, Castellanos, you name it. I'm also going to be looking to Hoskins plus 128 for an RBI. So not only is this a good matchup, but again, I expect the Phillies to bounce back. So I like their home run props tonight. I like them on the run, run, run line tonight. I'm not going to be laying all that on the money line. Tom, you keep a close eye on the New York Yankees. The pinstripes out on the California coast right now. They dropped the final two games of their weekend series to the Oakland Athletics, the second worst team in baseball. The Yankees make the trip down south to Anaheim to take on the Halos. Frankie Montas gets the start today for Aaron Boone and the Yanks. Minus 184, that live money line price in favor of New York. What have you seen out of Frankie Montas so far as a member of the pinstripes? Well, his first few starts really weren't that good. I know he bounced back at his most recent start. Hopefully this would be a spot for him to keep those good starts going just because the Angels strike out so, so much. And really the bottom half of their lineup, I don't even want to say the bottom third, the bottom half of their lineup is just not good. You know, once you get past Trout and Otani, 
Uh, it's a pretty easy lineup. Yep. So if Molotovs can get that strikeout rate going against a very high strikeout team, this could be a spot for him to string together, you know, a couple good starts, which is not what we saw from him in his first few with the Yankees. So, I lo- again, Yankees lost two in a row. They need to bounce back. They have a favorable right. matchup. Kind of the same thing for the Phillies. So I'm riding both of these teams tonight. Tom, I think it's a great point. The bounce back spot for good baseball teams, you're going to drop a couple throughout the course of 162 games in Major League Baseball. It's making sure you win games that you need to with newly acquired pitchers on the bump like Frankie Montas. 14 combined earned in his first three starts, but much better against the Mets in the Subway Series last week. And the Angels, the highest K rate in baseball all year long, nearly 27% against right-handed pitching. Right now, Tom, the Yanks still, though, the second best price to win the American League pennant. 45 cents only behind the Houston Astros. Those two teams, only 45 cents of difference. It's a $5.50 drop-off to the third best price with the Toronto Blue Jays. Tom, do you still believe it's a two-team race to win the American League pennant? I do, and the Astros, you know, despite losing Verlander yesterday, which was only to a calf issue, which I think is... Obviously, good news for them. It's not an arm issue or shoulder issue or anything like that. It's just a calf issue why he left early. It's got to be a two-team race. The Astros, they have such a deep lineup. They have great pitching. They just got Lance McCullers back a few weeks ago. Their bullpen is great. They check all the boxes, as they have for multiple seasons. And for the Yankees, if they can get a fully healthy lineup in there, we know that they can compete with the Astros. I just don't see any of these other teams making a significant run. When it comes to specific playoff mat, uh, matchups, that's where I have interest in some of the other teams with longer shots to win just their specific matchups. But taking down the ALCS over the Astros and the Yankees is just not something I see happening for any of these other teams. And that home field advantage for the Strohs, because right now they have a good margin over the Yankees for that top spot, could be very beneficial by the time we get to October but now that we're nearing September Tom it starts on Thursday a week from Thursday the start of the 2022 NFL regular season the preseason finale this past weekend that's done now it's for teams to find their 53-man roster they have to make cuts by tomorrow afternoon and then we're on to when football actually counts in the National Football League you've been going through season-long props all summer long there's a lofty number for one jj justin jefferson for the minnesota vikings 1350 and a half for his season long receiving yards prop is justin jefferson going to go over that very large number tom or will he stay under in his third year in the nfl yeah, so my take on this is that I like the over on 1,350 yards for Justin Jefferson. And there's a lot going into this. Uh, as I've said time and time again, we have to have a number of factors, you know, lining up for a player to hit the over. Obviously, it's easier for them to hit the under for a number of reasons. Starting off, he has a great projection on number fire. He's projected for 1,593 yards. So he's well clear of that mark. It's not just by a few yards. It's by, you know, a couple hundred of y- couple hundred yards. Next up, they brought in Kevin O'Connell as the new head coach, a very offensive-minded coach coming from the Rams. There's a lot of talk this offseason about them transitioning more towards the passing game, Uh, giving up the run a little bit, not having as heavy a workload on Dalvin Cook, and really accentuating that passing offense that they really can have. We look back to last year when Jefferson was obviously fantastic. He had the second highest net, which is net expected points overall for wide receivers. And he had the third highest net expected points per target. He also had uh, an 87.96 receiving success rate, which was higher than Cup, higher than Devontae Adams, higher than Jamar Chase. So he is an absolute uh, elite receiver. 
We also have to factor in that their defense right now is ranked 12th by PFF, which is good, but it's not great. So we could see them in a lot of positive passing game scripts, which lead to more receiving yards overall. So there's a lot of factors going for Justin Jefferson, and I like the over on his season-long prop. Justin Jefferson right now tied with Cooper Cup for the best odds to have the most receiving yards in the NFL this year, both at 9-1. to Tom Brady at the age of 45, Tom, is the favorite to have the most passing touchdowns entering his 23rd year in the National Football League. That's how it goes. FanDuel's Tom Vecchio knows the prop perspective very well. Tom, thanks so much. More TMA up next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Back right here on the morning after on Sports Grid and Sirius XM Channel 159. Each and every Monday, we go live to Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, kind of, where it's always nighttime in Pittsburgh, for the advice and the insight of our advisor, our sportsbook conciliary. Today, rocking the throwbacks of the California Angels. The Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim now. The Halos hosting the Yankees today. Dave Sherapan is here. Dave, how was your weekend? I can guarantee you it was better than that of Scott Frost and the Nebraska Cornhuskers. <laughs> I knew you would come swinging out of the gate at uh, maybe some Big Ten football. You said we go out to Pittsburgh via Vegas, but you left out the Vegas part, Benjamin. It's nighttime yeah, in Pittsburgh behind Lee, dubbed by you specifically. But, right. yeah, Vegas was good. Um, Sportsbooks made my way around Saturday, saw some people, a lot of people in town signing up for contests. What I also saw um, at a couple of sportsbooks were Nebraska fans mm. looking like the season is over. I mean, they were all – I mean, I'd never seen them in so much regalia, run the damn ball hats and – um, just red everywhere. Tickets anywhere from minus 11 to minus 14. Oh. Lay in the wood. All for naught. First game. They had. <sighs> Listen, Sherpin, they had to feel pretty good. Nine minutes left in the third quarter. Nebraska scores twice in a 35-second span. They take an 11-point lead. Those people with an 11 12 and a half point ticket in favor of the Huskers. They're like, yeah, we're going to do it. And then Scott Frost decides a surprise onside kick is the time to win the game with nine minutes left in the third quarter. Somehow, some way, and Nebraska loses its seventh straight game by a single score or less. A new historic trend in college football history. Northwestern wins outright the final line that I saw as a 12 and a half point underdog. We'll get to that in a minute because we set up week number one of college football in just a little bit where all of the betting public will turn their attention to the biggest brand names in the sport. But yesterday, Sherapan, the final week of the NFL preseason, 10 days from now, the start of the 2022 regular season in Los Angeles between the Rams and the Bills. Football is front and center. What is one yeah. piece of advice you would give to the casual sports better now that preseason has come to a close as we get ready for the regular season when it comes to the weekly handicap of NFL games? 
well, at least from carrying it over from the preseason to now, is that pretty much ignore everything that you saw in the preseason. There's not too much that you should take and carry from there to there. I was out with another guy who said, oh, man, he's he was a Jets fan, and he assured me that they're going to go 500 based on what he saw. And I said, I was peeking at the same games. Yes, they won yesterday 31 to 27, but I would say nothing that I saw would carry over into handicapping the first week. Baltimore is going to be the biggest choice as far as number of tickets and, you know, quantity of survivor contests in yep. week one. It's going to, I don't even know what that line's going to close, Ben, but it's going up. It's been going up. So, yes, casual sports bettors, relax. It's a marathon, not a sprint. You don't have to play every game, you know, just play the right games. The Baltimore Ravens yesterday in their preseason finale, a 17 to 15 win over the Commanders. 23 straight preseason victories now for the Ravens, continuously adding on to their NFL record. The New York At Jets victorious because Benjamin. At least yeah, I know they, they did not cover. cover. They Ooh. did not cover. Booked as a six and a half near seven point favorite for that preseason finale for the teams around the DMV. We showed the New York Jets there though. Zach Wilson was not out on the field, of course. He is recovering, maybe trying to get back for week one. Joe Flacco got the start. He might start in the regular season opener for New York, New York against Baltimore. Six and a half points right now in favor of the Ravens on FanDuel as they visit MetLife Stadium. But Dave, maybe we don't take a week-to-week -week handicap based on results from the preseason in the regular season, but it allows us a moment to forecast the future and take an outlook for the 2022 regular season. The Giants win total, seven and a half. The under has the heavy juice. The Jets win total, five and a half. The over has the heavy juice. In the battle for New York, Sherapan, who do you think wins more football games this year? Well, I think the Giants will, but I don't think it'll be as big of a disparity as, uh, as a lot of people do. Uh, there's a lot of, sh you know, sharp, what I like to call rhombuses and parallelograms, Benjamin, that, you know, really think the Giants, because of the situation in the NFC East, are the team that's going to exceed their win total. And I think you get a lot of pushback from people uh, on that, as well as the Jets. Man, I, I've been joking with some of the best betters that I know for yep. decades in Las Vegas. They bet the Jets' season win total over every single year. Every single year, they come in mm. and say, this is the year. You guys keep putting that number up, five and a half, five, sometimes four and a half in the past, six, six and a half, very ambitious. I can't remember the last time the Jets' season win total was, a, was uh, a 500 record. It's been a long time. But they like them. They're trying to catch that, 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 that Mark Sanchez run where the Jets were yeah. good. They haven't been good since. I don't think they're going to be good again. Only one over in the last six years for the Jets of that win total at five and a half. And the most wins they have had in that six-year span, the one over was just seven wins overall. Something to keep in mind as you look at New York this year. The Jets had a ton of optimism before the injury to Zach Wilson. We hope he can get back as soon as possible. He's about to enter his second year, Sherapan. In yeah. Pittsburgh, it will most likely be Mitchell Trubisky getting the nod over the rookie in Kenny Pickett. 
But Pittsburgh completes a perfect preseason. All three quarterbacks play yesterday. Trubisky probably looks the best he has all preseason long, but Kenny Pickett, not bad either. 10 of 14 for 90 yards. We've discussed Pittsburgh a bunch, but it was also the final week of the preseason for the Detroit Lions. Speaking, Sherapan, of a team that has a ton of optimism and maybe that hard knocks bump, how do you think the Lions are going to be booked this year in 2022? Well... Prior to Hard Knocks, I talked to some people and did a little work with the schedule and thought, wow, this is this is looking good. Detroit actually has a shot at going. It's crazy to say you can't go 500 in the NFL anymore, but this 17-game thing has, has changed your mentality. So they could go 8-9, and nine, possibly 9-8 nine and eight is what I looked at. And then a little too much steam, a little too much, uh, you know, excitement from Hard Knocks, and then boom. They're the darling of the NFC. <laughs> they may win the division. Hold on. They're not winning the division. But they're going to be competitive, yes. Um, I think you're going to see Detroit, at least at the beginning of the season, get bet on a lot. And their number may be depressed a little bit. You know, if, they, if they're getting normally seven points, they may be getting six just to see – if you can get some money, because you're gonna, they're gonna be a public dog, at least. I don't know how much they'll be bet on as a favorite. I mean, that's like, it's not hard to say, but it's been a long time since you're saying that you're betting on the Lions as a favorite. But yeah, it's gonna be very interesting to see. Now, if they go bad early, I think people will get off them quick, and that's where you'll find value on them as the season goes on. You'll see inflated numbers against them and that's where you you know they're probably going to be worth a bet sure Penn, it was hard to bet on the lions last year as a favorite in fact impossible because detroit was booked as an underdog in all 17 games but 11 yeah. and 6 against the spread the third best ats record in all of the national football league last year maybe that is the optimism for detroit entering 2022 Sherpin, we've looked at individual awards markets with you. NFL Offensive Rookie of the Year, even season-long props like Tom Brady being the favored quarterback to throw for the most passing touchdowns this year at the tender age of 45 years old. The futures market will have the focus for the next couple of days before we turn our attention to week one. What's the best piece of advice you have for individual bets when you look at an MVP race, Offensive Rookie of the Year, whatever individual honor it might be? Well, I mean, for those voted on awards, they're very, I mean, they're so subjective, one, but two, they're so volatile. So a lot of times you're getting a ticket with the intention of having a shot, not thinking that it will always win. You want to put yourself in these positions to get a good price on whatever it is you know, you're looking at. So, I mean, for like the Offensive Rookie of the Year, Pickett and Pickens are the yep. favorites. Pickett's not even going to start. So, like, I don't know when you buy the Kenny Pickett ticket, if you buy a Kenny Pickett ticket. But if you've bought it already, I give you credit for being a, a an eternal optimist. He may not see the field until right. the middle of the season at the earliest. How does he win the Rookie of the Year in that situation? I'd be looking deeper down the list on guys that have a schedule that's very favorable for their team so they can build up that momentum, and now your odds on that will be better 
than the rest. And you can look at maybe getting a Kenny Pickett ticket five weeks into the season, and he'll be 20 to one then. Now, do I think he's going to win? No, because I don't think he's going to play. But <laughs> a lot of people are all over the value of, uh, of the tickets, at least the perceived value of them. I prefer to go to the window with the ticket rather than frame it for the price. Sure, Ben. I like you just saying Kenny Pickett ticket all the time. That's good. The Pickett fun, ticket right? for offensive rookie of the year. I'm enjoying it for sure. So we touched on Nebraska and Northwestern. The marquee matchup of week zero of the college football season. You were say walking it. around the sports books out in Las Vegas. What do you yeah. want me to say? Kenny Pickett ticket? You know what's coming. Northwest- you know what's coming. The marquee matchup this weekend on Thursday? Oh, it's a Big course. Ten football game. I mean, you know what it is. Oh, I, I thought you were talking about the backyard brawl in your neck of the woods there in Pittsburgh. Ah, <sighs> oh, did I? I'm sorry to have let you down. No, it's Dave's alma mater, Penn State, on the road yes. as a three and a half Big point favorite in West Lafayette against Purdue. I am very high, Sheriff Pan, on the Nittany Lions to go Man. over their win total of eight. I think Penn State will be in the conversation for a New Year's Six Bowl at the end of this college football season. But Sheriff Pan, we often know at times that CFB is chalk. The four best odds to win the national championship this year, Alabama being the favorite, Ohio State the second best price, Georgia the reigning champs, the third best number in Clemson. Those four teams have won seven of the eight national championships in the history of the college football playoff. Quickly here, Dave, you were walking around the sports book in Vegas on Saturday. Where were most of the tickets going for the national champion in college football this year? Oh, it's it's such a landslide. It's those three and then everybody else by a big distance. Yeah. And I mean, out west, there's a lot of love for USC. Uh, there is a lot of hype for USC. You're yeah. you're originally a California guy. Mm. Uh, how do they win it? How do they even get in it in this situation? They but they're a Big Ten school. They're going to be a Big Ten school now. So, hey. They're going to be, it's all coming back full circle, Ben. It's all coming back. Los Angeles, the home of the Big Ten Conference. Dave Sherpan, nighttime in Pittsburgh, out in Las Vegas. We appreciate your insight as always. More TMA to round out the show next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Closing out two hours together here to start off this new week on Sports Grid. The morning after, each and every weekday, live right here all across the grid. Thank you for joining us here on this Monday. Before we end out the show, of course, we need to give you a best bet. Major League Baseball is our focus today, but there's so much going on in the sports landscape. I cannot wait until two weeks from this very day. It will be a Monday night football best bet. Ten days away from the start of the 2022 NFL regular season. A week from Thursday out in Los Angeles between the Rams and the Bills. Two weeks from tonight, Monday night, Russell Wilson, homecoming, return in the Pacific Northwest against the Seahawks. The schedule makers in the National Football League like to have a little fun. And we're just two days away from week one of college football. 
It's a beautiful time here in the world of sports. Postseason times in the WNBA. We just finished off with the FedEx Cup playoffs. A U.S. Open Grand Slam begins today up in Queens. Tons to get to. But before we say farewell, to focus on this Monday, we give you that best bet in Major League Baseball. The Yankees and the Angels out in Anaheim. So before we say farewell, before we say goodbye, it's time for a Major League Baseball best bet. It's time for Bye Bye Bye. Frankie Montas on the bump for the pinstripes today against the Halos. A minus 184 heavy money line favorite. Not surprising. The Angels have been a huge disappointment this year, and the Yankees are always going to be that public team. But the Angels have been disappointing because of the lack of offense in times, including striking out a ton, the highest K rate against righties all year long in Major League Baseball at nearly 27% in the last month. The second highest at 26%. Now, Frankie Montas has not gone over his strikeout prop today of six and a half since joining the Yankees, but it's plus money against the highest striking out team in all of MLB over six and a half strikeouts for Frankie Montas against the Halos today. The morning after each and every weekday, live right here on Sports Grid. It starts at 9 a.m. Eastern time. I'm Ben Stevens, and we'll talk tomorrow.